Houston, Texas covers over 600 flat, hot square miles in the heart of Harris County. Southeast of the city is Nessa in suburban Clear Lake. Nearby is the Hilton Hotel, where on the night of July 24th, 2002, a steady stream of guests was passing through the lobby. One of them was John Tyler. I was actually at a Wednesday night Bible study from a local church. We were meeting in the harbor room of the hotel. Church ended roughly at 8.30 that evening, and after church, there were a couple of friends there that wanted to uh, see my automobile, because I just picked one up. So I pulled my car right in front. As I started to pull out, I heard a scream. I slammed the car into the park and ran inside. Tyler saw a man, later identified as orthodontist David Harris, and a teenage girl, Harris's daughter, Lindsay trying to separate two women fighting in the lobby. One woman had grabbed hold of the other one's hair. Claire was slugging her at least two or three times really good with a close fist in the side of the head. She um, was screaming. At one point, they had pulled her away, and she made an announcement to the entire lobby. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here tonight because this is Dr. David Harris, and he's effing his secretary. You're totally in shock. You're like, what have I walked into here? The woman on the attack was David Harris's wife, a 44-year-old Colombian-born dentist named Clara Harris. The other woman was David Harris's secretary, Gail Bridges. At one point, she had reached and just ripped the front end of her shirt out. And... Uh, Gail Bridges, of course, is covering herself with one hand and holding on to what remains of her shirt. With the other hand, her purses hit the floor and everything's scattered. Claire is not letting go. I reached in right above Claire's hands and got and started pulling like this. And I was probably this close to her face at that point. And this was a woman with a beet red face. Very angry. Moments later, Hilton employees intervened. The last thing I remember before they were going to get everybody out, Lindsay had a little purse, and she was hitting her dad in the back with a purse, and she was screaming, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. One of the hotel employees walked David and Gail to Gail's Lincoln Navigator, parked in back. Another employee walked Clara and Lindsay to Clara's Mercedes, parked in front. Lindsay got on the passenger side. Clara took the wheel. I heard an engine revving, and then I saw it back up and then tear out of the parking spot and make a very fast turn. It was squealing tires. And these security officers, at least two of them, were banging on the car doors, and they're going, stop, stop. And your feelings are, my gosh, this family was ending, and we were all going to have to watch it. Okay, episode three. Let's do intros really, really quick. Go ahead and hit it, sister. Hi, I'm Alina. 
What was that? Wow. Hi. I'm mom. It's a oh. medical issue. You just made fun of her medical issue. Mother. That's okay. <laughs> That's um, but I was supposed to um, have my phrase ready. Okay. And I didn't. Let's so here we over. go. <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay. So you obviously introduced yourself as mom because that's what you are, right? Right. Right. And here's the thing about mom. She's a whole lot of sunshine with a little bit of hurricane. Wouldn't you say that, Fitz? <laughs> Amen, sister. That was like the most <laughs> awkward we've ever done ever <laughs> podcast. But anyway, my name is Sherry. This is Outline of a Murder. And uh, so this case, we actually have a female assailant. Oh. Yes, yes. Is this our first? No, uh, I, we had one last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I think, you know, obviously, statistically, probably females are less inclined, right. Right. you know, to murder. Uh, so I always like to ha- at least have one if I can find one. And I think this is going to be a good one. We might have had two. We did Betty. That was a bonus episode, yeah. not a seasonal. Yeah, yeah. yeah Betty Broderick was <laughs> But now, before we get started... We have a drink this time because this yeah. is a whole new yeah. episode. And so, Elena, would you like to share what the name of this is? There is no name that I know of. I just well, glanced right past that part. It's okay, Mom. You'll survive. This is the third one. So, right. Correct. Third drink. So, it's Prosecco, sugar, and hibiscus flower uh, juice. Mm-hmm. I meant third drink with no name. We're ignoring that. Continue on. Yes. Try okay. okay. Here we go. Taste test. Where, where are you going? Where are you going? Are you? S- but we're doing a podcast, and you're walking to the trash can. Of course, well, I she's cleaning. You would would drink. I'd take the straw out. I can I can taste the hibiscus. I can too. I love hibiscus. I I like this one. Is this the same champagne that's been in all three? Yeah, we got to find you guys different yeah, champagne for sure. it's a little sure. bit tart for yeah. sure. Champagne. But no, I personally love Prosecco good. and Brutes and Cavas, but y'all need a sweeter one for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So how do you rate this one, bartender? Three. A three? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, maybe a four. I'm going to say a 3.5. Yeah. Yeah, this I is one of my favorites. The okay. stuff you have in it, the combination. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we obviously yeah. like floral. It doesn't taste as sour as the others. Right. I mean, you still can taste some, but not like... Okay, yeah, cool. Very good, very good. Okay. She was looking a little disappointed. She's waiting like... <laughs> oh, well, your face. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This case is nuts. I mean, crazy. And there are so many shocks and surprises in it. Like, to me, it's a little... I mean, I guess I shouldn't say it's a little bit lighter. I mean, murder is murder. Yes. But the first two episodes, the part one and two of Jason Bond, that that it was just kind of like a, a downer case, you know? Because mm-hmm. and I think part of that is um, she had so many like she could have gotten away. And this one, what I think about is from day one, he just had so many different. I mean, oh yeah, right just the, the weird other, things, other, other. Yeah. yeah. But there are shocks and surprises, mm-hmm. so I just had to do this one this season because it's fascinating, and it's another successful couple. It's a clay, case of Clara Harris, actually a Houston dentist. Yes. So we're in the, the I remember this. the home state here, Texas. Mm-hmm. 
Now, uh, she ran over her husband with her vehicle that with was cheating on daughter. her. So like we talked about, crime of passion, right? right. So I want to give you some background, though, on the um, before the murder, and then we'll see some tips that we can offer our listeners. But this right here is Clara, and she's Aww. from uh, Bogota, Colombia. So you got to say it like that, because if you say Colombia... We're talking about, you know, a city in Ohio. Right. right? So it has to be Colombia. Okay. And I've been there, Bogota. So that's where I learned that. Uh, So she was born February 3rd, 1958. And she was raised there with her mother, her widowed mother. And um, I mean, when I I fell in love with the people in Bogota, they, they're... Well, they, they get in your personal space, which I'm not used to. <laughs> a lot of people like, do hang that. Hang on, though. guys. What, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. But I, I went through it. I, I, you could tell I'm a little bit nervous right now thinking Trying about to it. Keep it <laughs> you know, with your arms. <laughs> right. But, you know, that's what you had to do. But they are extremely loving and like they welcome you in. So, like, it's like a hug. Now, this is, you know, the infamous story where um, after I got done ministering all day, you know, they're asking, do you want to go to the club? And I'm like, club? I mean, <laughs> what club? What kind of, you know, Christians are you guys? I mean, what, <laughs> what, what do you mean club? Well, anyway, they take me to this five-star hotel. And me and the lady that went with me. And I didn't know we were going to a five-star hotel. So I had already changed out of my <laughs> ministry clothes. <laughs> so I'm wearing flip-flops, lounge oh, pants, no. and my UFC tap-out hoodie, complete with the holes in the elbows Did they let uh, you in? from being well anyway why would <laughs> so you go out oh like i didn't that? know they're like would you like to change clothes into something more comfortable and then we'll and i'm like absolutely so comfy <laughs> to me is you thing. know and uh, so we we you know pull up and i'm like <laughs> and i'm looking around like hey guys i, I might be a, a little underdressed and they're like oh no 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 won't be a problem at all i'm like you know it might be a problem <laughs> and they had like the bomb sniffing dogs so oh, when i was wow. there it's weird like you'd go to a place that was like mcdonald's and there would be armed machine gun people in the restaurant i mean it was it I was crazy it. yeah but anyway so we get into the restaurant and this is a place where you have to give your thumbprint to make sure and dignitaries and presidents and kings and queens eat here. And here I am, the flip-flops. dumb American, oh, wearing the pants. flip-flops and the tap-out tap out hoodie with holes in the arms. They didn't have a gift shop or a, re- a no. store. Oh, my So Lord. we get in the, you know, the elevator, and I'm getting more anxious about the whole situation. Are people looking at you? So we go up into the elevator, you know, after our cars made, make sure we don't have bombs. We go up into the elevator, and we enter in this like walled glass fancy everybody wearing a tie you know and the waiter has a little towel on his arm they could have told you and he takes one look at me no 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 (laughs) and then i hear the phrase americano or the word americano i'm like yep that's me you know and they're like no 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 and i was like i'm so sorry like if you just have like a mcdonald's or something you know just like a fast food oh no we're gonna we're gonna eat right so they had to take us down to the bowling alley and they set up these plastic tables with plastic chairs and these waiters with their little towel towels came down and served us and then i further dismayed 
the fine people of Bogota, Colombia, by the minute he put my glass down my water, I snatched that water, opened it up, and poured it in my glass, oh. and the waiter's all... <gasps> Oh, it's yes. a five star, even in the bowling alley. With your tap out hoodie. Yep. Flip flops. Yep, but the pants. food was absolutely delicious. I mean, it was top notch. To a club, though. <laughs> I was like, maybe. Yeah, I never I, I, yeah, I, I, I wasn't warned. I Shame on them. They should have told me. Well, you should have known to go out to a club. No, I had no Don't idea. Wear holy things with flip-flops. Well, I was already well, in the car. for the club, man. She I was already in the car. They're like, do you want to go to a club? Because I thought we were going oh, back to our, where oh. we were going to be staying. You know, I had no idea what was going on. Anyway, but it's a jam-packed city. Uh, and what's weird is like you can walk down one street and it's high, you know, rise, fancy, schmancy, and then literally turn the corner and there's a homeless population. Um, so that's how the streets are. Like you never know what part of the city you're going to get. And then also they can only drive their car like two or three days of the week because there's so much traffic and they do not believe in stop signs. They're just suggestions. And I had the funnest time in cars. I mean, they zip around. You could see people like right there. <laughs> you know. That's how it was in Italy. In oh, yeah. It was oh, yeah. Terrible. It's crazy. Now, my friend who was with me did not quite like the ride. I loved it. I thought it was great. But, um, so this is where she grew up, you know, in, in a very familial type, you know, place, uh, but also, you know, the paradox of having the machine guns. And during that time, that was the height of the drug, yeah. uh, yeah. now Mexico is actually what Bogota mm-hmm. used to be. Hmm. Uh, so by the time I went there, they were actually safer than going to Mexico, and so it's definitely flipped. But but they I'm sure still have the cartel. They do, but um, not as bad as they them. had to actually hire paramilitary and para governor government people to come in and clean up uh-huh. uh, Colombia because the <laughs> Colombia? police Colombia because the police were in cahoots with right. the oh, yeah. drug cartels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, a beautiful and a dangerous, you know, nation, I'm sure when she was growing up as well. I don't know if like she grew up in poverty or what, but I do know she wanted a better life for herself. And she studied dentistry there first. And then she came to the U.S. in the late 80s to continue her education at the University of Texas, Houston Dental Branch. So that's where she uh, got her degree. Um, she had thick red hair a beautiful smile and a little mole on her left cheek. She's really pretty. And on top of that, mm. she was crowned Miss Columbia Houston in a local beauty contest. So she's got brains. She's got beauty. And uh, let's she see. She is beautiful. This is her as she's aged. I don't see the red hair. Yeah. Do you have a younger yeah, picture? Yeah, it's a little bit red. Looks auburn. Um, when she was younger. There's that one. Uh. I see more red there. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So she had some yeah. red. It doesn't really matter, right. but. Yeah. Now, uh, Clara met David. So mm-hmm. that's her husband, David Harris, in the picture in 1991. They were both in their early 30s. They were both working at the Castle Dental Center in Houston. Wasn't he a dentist? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So he was ambitious and also brilliant. He was mm-hmm. very, very smart. He graduated as an orthodontist, second in his class. Uh-huh. He was charming, and some described him as being folksy. Folksy? Oh, yeah. Folksy. So like a little Mayberry, you know, yeah. little. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I could yeah. see it, yeah. too. Um, his favorite word was golly. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Golly. That's so cute. And he was smitten with her. When he met her, he was absolutely just, he fell in love. Uh, They married on Valentine's Day in 1992, and they hadn't even been dating a year. Mm. So here we are again, guys. Mm. It's not saying, though. You you know that yeah. Don't think your husband, if you only dated a few months, is going to kill you. No, or yeah. vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Right, but it wasn't a long time for them to really get right. to know each other. Uh, let's see. They hadn't been. Oh, I already read that. So they held their wedding reception at. Now this is important. You'll want to remember the name of this hotel: Nassau Bay Hilton Hotel, and it's about thirty miles from downtown Houston. Okay. Mm-hmm. Clara told a reporter because I guess their wedding was like local news that i found the best i found the one god reserved for me okay so that's them uh their wedding day right there gorgeous and then his daughter so he had a daughter from a previous relationship and they they had a really good relationship her and clara they got Mm -hmm. along really well okay they built a great life. They eventually, um, well, she opened her own dental practice in 1993. So that's what, a year later? Yeah, Valentine's Day. So a little right. over a year probably. Wow. And then he had a chain of offices. Uh, she had uh, photos of her and David in her office. Uh, she'd replace them every few months with new ones. Oh. She talked to David two to three times a day by phone. Mm. And she always said, I love you before hanging up. Mm-hmm. No matter what she, uh, you know, had to do at work, she always came home in time to cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clara and David's daughter from a separate ma- marriage—that's Lindsay—got along very well, and Lindsay would stay with Clara and David in the summers. The couple also welcomed twin boys, and I couldn't find pictures of them, but it's Brian and Bradley. So in 1998, they had their boys. They lived in a half a million dollar beautiful home in an upscale area called Friendswood, Texas. I've never heard of oh, Friendswood. Oh, I know where that is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Susan's sister lived up that way. And she always wanted a Mercedes from the time she was little. So she got her beloved Mercedes, which was a symbol of how far she'd come in her childhood, uh, from her childhood in Bogota. Do we know what class the Mercedes was? No. It's important. Well, yes. It's a visual. It depends. No, but I do have a picture of it somewhere, okay. I think, okay. or a video. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah. It was oh. a suburban. Oh, no, no. Um, no, that's not it. Anyway, it's not. Well, I mean, it's okay. Yeah, I can't I find it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, you know, people, like, when they would see them together, they could see how much they loved each other. But, like, most things, it's not always what it appears. Now, I heard you go, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what kind of stood out for you? The two and three times a day. Yeah. That's a bit uh, possessive, potentially insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying I love you before right. you end a conversation. We do that multiple times a day. Yeah. Um, but a little bit excessive. The yeah. calls got me, too. I was mm-hmm. thinking, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you know what? That, to me, is sort of a sign of insecurity, which she was. Well, and we, I mean, we've talked about it in the last episode. I think it was, uh, well, no, it was part one of the Jason Bond, that you cannot have your whole world be one person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened. You can, okay, where people say that you can love someone too much. I don't think actually you can love someone too much. What I think is that love has become twisted where because of insecurity, because of rejection, a person will begin to tighten 
their hold on them where it comes off as love, you know, calling two to three times a day, Mm -hmm. but it's actually not. It's actually born out of a fear. I saw that with a couple where I live and they were just, it was almost like they were obsessed with each other. And I was like, man, that is not healthy. And sure enough, it was a disaster and it was a control issue and it was an insecurity issue. And initially the wife felt loved, very well loved, but then it became suffocating. Yeah. Right. And I also wonder if it was to keep tabs. Could be. It could be. Sometimes you think it's cute and endearing because you're in that love butterfly mode. Mm -hmm. But as time goes on, it's obsessive behavior. Yeah. And I don't think she ever let up. I mean, I think from the time that, you know, she committed the crime that she was obsessed with the phone calls and all Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, so... Everything seems fine. They have their twin boys. Lindsay's getting, uh, you know, along really well with uh, Clara. Uh, Lindsay later said, we became very close. We went shopping a lot. She would tell me pretty much everything that was going on and make me feel Mm-mm. part of the family. Mm-mm. Now, see, that bothers me, too, because now you're bringing the, the stepdaughter into probably things that she doesn't right. need to know. So I couldn't tell, okay, is this that she's filling you in on how your brothers are doing and how the dad's doing and that's normal? Or is she trying to be like your best friend? Yeah. And that's not healthy. Right. You well, know? It's special on her. Yeah, she was, it was like her best friend. Apparently she told her all sorts of things you wouldn't tell her. Inappropriate. Yeah. 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 So there's definitely no boundaries there. That's mm-hmm. not healthy. Right. It appears that David, her dad also shared what was going on by telling his daughter that he, quote, felt neglected by his wife after the birth of their twin boys three years earlier. Why would you tell your child that? Again, right. I happen to know a a father-daughter situation that they tell each other that stuff. I don't get it. I know a daughter mother. It's not good. It's not good uh, to do. And uh, I don't know if Lindsay knew at that time I don't think she knew until later that David was actually having an affair with his receptionist, Gail Bridges. And it started in the spring of 2002. Mm-hmm. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I've got a picture. So 2002. And when did she have the boys? 98? 98. Yeah. Okay. So that's Gail Bridges with her she lawyer. She looks like his wife at that angle. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. David confessed uh, to the mur- uh, the murder, the uh, affair on July seventeenth, two thousand and two. So they, you know, so in the spring, he starts the affair, and not long after, he tells interesting her. And they were married how long at that point? Did you say? Well, they got married in ninety two, so it'd be about ten years. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like, how did that come down? Did Clara suspect it? Did she catch them? Did she ask them straight up? Or did he feel bad and tell her? Because that's a big deal. You know, like how how it's discovered. Um, But they both decide, hey, let's repair the marriage. Let's stay together. Let's fix this. And so David told a friend, we're going to make it. We're going to get this resolved. And, you know, whether he was, you know, feeling needy because he's, you know, he was a crybaby or whether it was legit that maybe she was giving a lot of her attention to her children, I don't know. But I do know that having children can really yeah. be difficult on a marriage. Absolutely. Even if you plan for them, you want them, the entire dynamic changes. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you have on top of that, twins. So lots of little sleep and all the stress that comes with newborns and things, I'm sure, was probably stressful. 
Clara confronted Bridges, so she went over to um, Bridges at her husband's office and fired her the same day. Excellent. Yeah. And then during the same week, she went to a tanning salon, a beauty shop, joined a gym, and consulted with a plastic mm. surgeon about some uh, lip liposuction and breast implants. Yep. Yeah, and that's sad. Because she thought it was her. She thought it was her. She probably wasn't attractive anymore. She's carried two kids, you know, the whole nine yards. I don't know if he fed into that, but it's extremely sad that she felt the need to do that. But that's pretty typical with, you know, relationships where there's affairs. Whoever was the one that was gone out on feels like they're ugly, not wanted. There must be something wrong with me. And so she definitely felt that way and tried to fix it. I, I don't remember if he told her he wanted those things. Do you? He did. Um, in the special, it showed he did. And then towards the end when he, you know, finally, the breaking point, he, he'd tell her how unattractive that she was. Okay, so the victim, I'm not really liking right much at right. the time. <laughs> or right. liking much right now. Um, not saying he deserved to be murdered. Right. But that's not cool to do. And even if he didn't mean it, you know, sometimes they say anyone has a fear, they'll say things like that. So you kick him out, or he has a reason uh, to leave. Oh, yeah, maybe. You but know, then why reason. stay? You know, he told a because friend they're going to work it out. S- some are cowards. Yeah. You know, That's so. pretty sorry. Yeah. Um, now, Lindsay, at this point, for sure, knew what was going on. So she knows that her dad had an affair. She said that Clara had actually decided to retire so that she would have more time for her family and that she was going to have plastic surgery to, quote, make herself look very pretty so dad would want her and not Gail. Damn. Yeah. And Lindsay Sorry. told Clara, just give it up. How old was Lindsay? Do we know? Probably a teenager, right? She was or a young, young adult. Just give it up. So yeah. what was she observing she and hearing? She was married to her dad for a long time. Yeah. Just give it up. Mm. So I, I, at this point, I don't know, like, why would she tell her to give it up? So if they're going to mm-hmm. work it out, does she know her dad and that he's going to keep doing this? Or she saw something. Or she you know. saw something. Yeah. Or she's like, hey, you're going way extreme. Like, yeah. that's not the way to solve this, you Teenager. know? Or that it was starting to break down already. So yeah. I don't know what the family dynamic was, but she's like, you're going way too far to keep him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seven days after the confession, so July 24th, 2002, David told Clara that he wanted to take Bridges out to one last dinner to end things amicably. Now, when did he tell the friend they were going to make it? Well, obviously within seven days because he confessed July 17th. And by July 24th, he wants to take her out to that one last dinner. I would have been like, "Uh oh, the mistress. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd be like, no. 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 Uh uh. What's up? And I think she suspected it and yes help pack the bags yeah. because obviously Don't something's going on one last right what case did we do he or she took a vacation one last vacation with the mistress yeah so he could tell her was it a case we saw? <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. He told his wife he was taking a vacation with the mistress for a week. Oh, hell he no. Because he needed the time. No. Go ahead and you to, take as much no, time right. as you yeah. need, Bob. We should look that case up. And uh, <laughs> she believed it. That people are gullible. Don't believe it. Guys listening to this podcast, don't Please believe don't that do stuff. don't do that. Don't even believe. It's not even about believing. It's like, no. Just, just no. Yeah. Right. No. 
Right. And don't it, tell it's your unnecessary. wife. But you know, if you tell your wife that and she believes it, I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> right. But, but, okay. Now, Clara, she agreed. Okay. Oh, my Lord. That's fine. But she also secretly hired Blue Moon Investigations, a private detective agency, to surveil her husband's dinner and make sure he ended the relationship. Unfortunately, she received a devastating call telling her that David and Bridges no. were not talking at a restaurant, but were instead at the Nassau Bay Hilton. Oh, hell no. The same hotel where they got married. And that they probably stayed at after their wedding. What? Sorry. No, I just, I'm like, what? Wow. A poop bird. And again, I hate to talk bad about the victim, but I'm going to have to be like the captain and just say stuff that might be offensive, you know, on True Crime Garage. Y'all really need to listen to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it, it, this guy, he, obviously something's wrong with him. You know, it's like you take your mistress to the hotel where you had your wedding reception. What kind of person are you? Yeah. And so again, he doesn't deserve to be murdered, but I can see why she freaked out. Yeah. Right? Right. Okay. So, you know, she gets a phone call. Especially if you're told you're going to try and work it out. Yeah. And then you lie and arrange to meet the mistress. So here's the thing, though. So for those that are listening, that if you're ever told... That your spouse is going to have one final dinner. Just say no. Right. Because you don't want to freak out. Or vacation. Run them over. Vacation, yes. 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 Like, just don't don't go down that road. Right. Just nip it in the bud. Right. And if you, and here's the thing. If they ask for that, you probably need to go ahead and talk to a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, now, I understand people can get emotionally connected with a, you know, a mistress or some, you know, guy they're dating outside their marriage or whatever. I can see that. But if you are serious about repairing your relationship, you don't go and have one last phone calls and stuff. That's time to go ahead and probably kick them out. Yeah. You know? Or dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Dinner. I agree. Well, calls, Or dinner, vacation. Text, I know you're on the vacation Vacation. Thing. Don't care. Yeah. yeah. Delete. Now, before I get into the crime, I've got to give a little bit of background about Bridges, because this is one of the twists that's crazy. Okay. I personally don't have a high opinion of women that sleep with other people's husbands. Mm -mm. But David had actually told her that their marriage was open. Now, that doesn't (sighs) make me think any better of her, because that's still creepy and weird. And I'm sorry, if y'all are swingers that have open marriages, you may not want to listen to this podcast. Right, please don't listen. But... Right. But that that's just gross. And seven months after Clara's conviction, uh, Bridges came out uh, of seclusion. Like she went into hiding. People and hated her. she gave her. an uh, interview and said that David had told her that he wanted to spend the rest of her life with her. And he did. That's what she said. What now? And said he again? did? Yeah, because the last t- breath he took was with her. Oh, yes, I see what you And what she you said mean. that the affair was wrong, but she'd never regret having David in her life, even for a short time.
That huh. that's her what her character is. Yeah. And Someone not, died over this some child. But it gets even crazier. Father. And and I'm not sure what game, if any, David mm-hmm. was playing. But here you have this woman that initially thought the marriage was open. She then claimed David wanted to spend the rest of his life with her while she also knew that the affair was wrong. And I'm not saying that she deserved to die either, which she didn't, like David, but you're messing with someone else's spouse mm-hmm. and you never know how they'll respond. Like mm-hmm. even in the Bible, it talks about don't mess with someone else, else's spouse because you might end up dead. I mean, that's like in Proverbs, if I'm not mistaken, or Deuteronomy. So it's like a big deal because the passion of that, you know, is, well, Mm -hmm. the grief of that is second to losing a child. The passion people can feel can make them go insane temporarily. That's why we have the crimes of passion defense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, during her interview, she refused to be video recorded or photographed, and she had good reason because she had been accused of having an affair with her best friend, Julie Knight. In the 1990s. A female? Mm-hmm. Okay. Bridges had been married to a guy named Steve Bridges until divorce proceedings started in 1999. So she started dating David in 2002. Mm-hmm. He'd become suspicious of his soon-to-be uh, ex-wife and friend when neighbors began coming to him asking why Gail and Julie spent so much time together while the husbands were away at work. Chuck Knight, Julie's husband, so this is a friend, became suspicious himself after watching Gail and Julie huggling and, quote, fondling each other when the couples went out to eat dinner together. Both of the marriages souring, Steve and Chuck suspected a lesbian affair. So Chuck hired Blue Moon Investigations, the same one, uh, to watch uh, the two women. Isn't that crazy? Mm. Okay. So the owner, her name is Bobby. She's a female. uh, Of Blue Moon? Yeah. Okay. That he and Steve, they decided, would watch the children while Gail and her friend uh, went out. They were going to go to like a shopping mall or something. Mm -hmm. And he wanted them followed. So she did. Nothing happened. They did exactly what they said. They went shopping at the mall. Then they got soft drinks at McDonald's before going home. Now, here's the thing. I, I think the husbands were trying to smear their reputations, actually. Uh, but if you're in a bad marriage, you'll probably spend a lot of time with your best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, or you might have someone that's you know, like a, a person in arms with you, you know, that you can share what all is going on. Uh, or, you know, just to say out of the house, you might be at the gym a lot or you might go for a lot of walks or work more. So I don't know if they had an affair, uh, but they were ever, never able to get any proof mm-hmm. but it gets worse so reporters discovered that gail and julie had appeared on the sally jesse Raphael show in 2001 wearing wigs and dork dork dark glasses to talk about their husband's attempt to say they were lesbians to divert attention from their own improper conduct good lord why would they and- be on her show if it's if they denied it and by the way, what neighbors would go to spouses and say, there's been a lot of time together when you're at work. That was suspect. Unless yeah. they were really good friends. Or still, maybe they didn't say that uh, and the husbands made exactly. it up. Exactly. Yeah. Neighbors yeah. wouldn't zone in on that. I Not don't know with, if you had two guy friends, three guy friends, they would. Yeah. Yeah. If maybe they had a friend, a neighbor They're that was a friend and friends. they hung out. Well... The already frenzied media attention over the the Harris crime went into 
overdrive when the video cassette uh, tape of that episode, My Husband Spies on Me, and they began to play it in sound bites on the local news show. Oh my God. Oh, they no. used a photo of her wearing a wig in an article and used headlines like Bisexual Triangle Led to Car Slay of Hubby. Julie Knight said that it was madness. Later, Steve, who was still bitter about the divorce, used a tragedy in civil court to try to get his uh, custody of the three kids. And then he also resurrected the lesbian claim. Chuck also tried the same thing with Julie, claiming that since they were still friends to that day, and Clara was out on bail, that his children were in danger. Did either of the cases, did they win? I don't know. I don't know if they won or not, but that's just the first twist. Mm. Actually, maybe the second, because we got the <laughs> Blue Moon. They must be a really good investigations office, because right. everybody seems to be I've using them. I've heard of them before. And then the lesbian. Well, it's also a beer mall. Oh, that might be it. <laughs> yeah, that might be Which, it. Which, by the way, I do recommend with the lime, or excuse me, a uh, orange wedge. <laughs> okay. Now, the night of the crime, David used cash to purchase a hotel room under an assumed name. As they came back down, holding hands, enjoying each other after their little tryst of about an hour and a half, Claire and Lindsay were standing there in the lobby. And the daughter. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? He probably almost crapped himself. It gets better. Yeah. So Bridges said that she saw a funny look come over David's face. So she didn't notice. Gail Bridges didn't notice that his wife and daughter are standing there. She was just looking at David. And she notices the weird look, so she looks over, and there is Clara and his stepdaughter. And witnesses didn't say if David tried to say anything to his daughter, Clara, but Lindsay started hitting her dad with her purse, saying, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, okay? Clara went after Bridges, and she lunged at her, screaming, you be, he's my husband. She slapped her, tore her shirt, uh, actually tore it off, I think. She yelled for all to hear, this is Dr. David Harris, and he's effing this woman right here. So hotel employees... You know, they try to intervene, right? Like, hey, guys, you know, and obviously it's an uh, you know, uh, upscale, you know, hotel. But Clara's rage was growing. Like, she wasn't calming down. She kept attacking Gail. So finally, okay, and I think this might be the one that sent her over the edge. David put his ha- hand on Clara's head and pushed her off. Oh, boy. I mean, to me, it's, it's disrespect. I mean, yeah. the well, whole thing's I mean, disrespectful, to but to, yeah, yeah no, I, no, that would probably make any yeah. anger I felt go through Absolutely. the roof, right? <laughs> Don't touch this area anyway. Right. No. <laughs> yep. Yep. So now, but imagine the hurt. Okay. So you have a woman that obviously her whole life was centered around mm. her husband, her career and her children. She loved her husband so much that she changed the pictures out regularly in her office she called two to three times a day you know she has built a life that she loves with the man that she loves and then he confesses to an affair lies to her and then pushes her away in front of the woman that he's sleeping with and disrespecting and shaming her in front of everybody and try to protect the woman and not her yep to me, it was like a perfect storm. Yeah. I don't see any other way it could have gone any other way, actually. Now, I'm not saying she did what was good. I'm just, 
the, her mental state, I'm not sure if she could have made a different decision at this point. Okay. So then the hotel employees come and they escort Bridges to her Lincoln Navigator that was parked in the hotel parking lot. And the police or the employees, they thought they had everything ended. Okay. So she's in her car. They walked Clara and Lindsay back to Clara's Mercedes, her beloved Mercedes located in another parking lot. And they asked them to leave. Clara started the car and sat there and stared at the couple. Now, what does that tell me? He walked her to her car. Hmm. Yeah. So it's just like insult after insult. So again, don't run over people, but I have a little bit of understanding of why she would have done that, you know? Mm -hmm. So she's just staring at them. And Lindsay said, you could see her rage. It was all over her face. She then gunned the engine, raced toward the parking lot where the couple was standing and tried to run both of them over. Yep. David pushed Bridges out of the way, and then he was propelled 25 feet across the lot. Lindsay started screaming, yeah. and witnesses saw her trying to open the door to get out. Yeah. Uh, and she'd like get her feet on the ground, and then she couldn't. And and it was obvious that she loved Lindsay very, very, very much. So she was not of sound mind when she did that. She wouldn't have done that to her, I don't think. I'm not sure, but I do know that I I would have second thoughts no matter what if Kent was with me. Absolutely. So I'm not sure, you know. Well, I don't know your I, mindset. No, I, I, I don't, you don't yeah. know, really. I don't know. Yeah. I... Yeah, I I would probably think about Kent if he was with me, but not everybody, you know, but to me, it's like, I I don't want to damage him. You know, if I was going to kill my husband for going out on me, I'd figure out another way to do it and not get caught. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'd probably just go after it. (laughs) Okay, so um, Clara then turned the car around and ran over his crumpled body. She then whipped it around again accelerated and ran over him a second time, then did another 180 and ran over him a third time before stopping. Didn't she back up too? Mm-mm. Nope. Someone else. So I think Lindsay it was garage, yeah. maybe. got out of the car, rushed around to the driver's side and punched Clara in the face. And then she later said she did so because she killed her dad right in front Absolutely. of her. Absolutely. Yeah. She then collapsed and sobbed. Clara got out of the car dazed and confused. And she walked over to her husband and she was staring at him. And then she got him in her arms, begging him to breathe and said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I love you. Okay. Now this is, and I'm not going to put the microphone up to it, but, and it doesn't show anything disturbing, but this is her in the parking lot, just going in circles, running over him. Now, the footage, the reason I'm showing this is, well, let me get to that in a second. Okay, so headlines went around the world. And prominent dentist, you know, runs over orthodontist husband. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, She was called Clara the Driller Killer. Did an eye roll. Uh, one headline tagged her mad wife at will. She was oh. released from jail on $30,000 bail. That's she, it? Yep. And she went into seclusion until her court appearance. Yeah. Which, again, I'm thinking maybe they had some sympathy for her. Well, I'm sure they did. But here's did. the thing. If it were 
the, if the roles were reversed, it we probably wouldn't be as compassionate. That was our mm-hmm. discussion on the, the Betty Broderick. Because to me, Betty Broderick was a psychopath and a narcissist from the start. And I don't have any sympathy for what she did. I can feel how frustrated and powerless and helpless she would be because her whole life blew up after she helped him become the doctor and lawyer that he was, right? But there were there was evidence that she was psychopathic and that she had, what was it called? It was a disorder where she would go like into fits, uh, high, high drama, you know, crying, all kinds of stuff. I can't remember. Oh, histrionics. It's actually a disorder, histrionics disorder. Um, so that was the, the discussion mm-hmm. we were having. I'm like, if that was a man, yeah, no one would have felt sympathy, you know? And so it's kind of like the same thing. If she was a male, no one would feel bad yeah. for the and man. And I thought different. Yeah. I mean, I thought that, but I did have sympathy. And when I watched a special on her, I could just see how she was driven. I mean, he tortured her verbally. Yeah. And well, she did him too. And the kids begged her to yeah. stop. Uh, yeah, we, we're, we'll have mm-hmm. to agree to disagree. Yeah. And well, and the whole point of those episodes or bonus episodes is I wanted to know was this a case of a scorned woman or was she crazy from the start? Mm-hmm. And I found evidence that she was difficult uh, from the start. Mm-hmm. But. Um, and so in this situation, I was trying to find that out as well. And I don't know if it's in my notes, if I got to that point, but the $30,000 bell tells me they did not see that she was a danger or consider that she was a danger to society, that her crime was toward her husband and he was Mm -hmm. gone and that was it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably why it was such a low bell. Over a dozen photographers were there for pictures, and she sat in court between two friends wearing a stylish teal pantsuit, staring straight ahead and blinking back tears, and her wedding ring was still on her left hand. Mm. Now, some were on her side, as you can imagine, Mm. because they didn't blame her for killing her philandering husband. Um, Gail Bridges wasn't popular either. Uh, Clara's lawyer, George Parnum, said it was rare to find her not weeping, like she was just crying all the time. She gained national attention when he represented her lawyer, Andrea Yates. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he said that Clara also had a rough time believing David was dead and not coming home. Uh, friends spent the night with her at her home because they were afraid she was suicidal, and they said that her kid, or her sons kept her going, and at this time they were about to be four. So, oh, Whoa. So she had her children? Mm, not yeah. with her. Uh-huh. No, not when she killed him. Well, no, not when she no, killed yeah, him. She had a master. Mm-hmm. A lot of people felt bad for her. Mm-hmm. I remember that case when that happened. A lot of people felt bad for her. Yeah, she had her he kids. Did a lot. Oh, he, no, he no, just, no. I've even felt bad for her. No, no, no. I get that. I absolutely but have getting compassion your kids. for her. Yes. Yeah, but getting the kids, no. it should have probably waited. <laughs> now, her trial began February 2003. And Lindsay testified against her stepmother. So this is her right there. And she later sued her for wrongful death, and she won. Uh, She said that she had told her to stop the vehicle because she was killing her dad. And she said that she was on a mission to find where David was and that she was livid. She said that she felt the bump as a car ran over her dad, and she testified that Clara ran over him three times. The sad part is that her last words is, I hate you. 
over and mm. over. Right. The defense said that Clara ran over David only once, but unfortunately, and here's the third twist for Clara, the investigators, the, the same man. ones that she hired, recorded everything. So that video I showed you of the car, that was the investigator. They they were paid to surveil and they mm-hmm. were still there and they recorded her running over mm-hmm. her husband. Are they not supposed to stop and try to help them? I don't know call how police? you can, well, they might have done they that, called but, the police. I mean, they're not going to step in front of a car, you know. Yeah. So yeah, they recorded everything. And uh, the police also recorded her interview, and there she stated that she wanted to hurt her husband, so she didn't take advantage of the, you have the right to remain silent. The prosecution, though, did believe it was a crime of passion. They did believe that. Clara was advised not to take the stand, but she decided to do so. And when she was confronted with a portion of wanting to hurt her husband, um, and the prosecution conveniently leaving out the rest where she said, but I didn't want to kill him, so they didn't have that in the video. Her lawyer collapsed in the courtroom from stress, and they had to take him to the hospital. Was that a true or just a move? No, he had, yeah, was, he was stressed. He was so stressed over that whole thing. So she was found guilty. She was sentenced to 20 years in prison. The jury found it a sudden passion, meaning that she could serve as little as two years or the full 20. She was fined $10,000. She was paroled. This is um, her at her uh, parole hearing. And then um, this is her getting out with a big smile on her face. Um, she are those was, are her kids? I don't know who they are. I'm sure. I, or, I think that's um, Davis or David or and son. the sons. Yeah. Oh, okay. So she was paroled May 11th, 2018, and she'll remain on parole until next February of 2023. It probably wouldn't have happened, actually, her getting paroled, if her new lawyer hadn't brought the twin boys. So the new lawyer, to help her get paroled, mm. brought her boys, who saw her faithfully every week, and they decided to go ahead, and they, they begged on, please parole her. Uh, they don't have a father, but they want to spend time with her mother. Now, here is, this is the investigators. Listen to this. tonight after murdering her cheating husband with her car and today we're hearing from the private investigator she hired to catch her husband in the act while harris may be out of prison she's not exactly free she was all smiles though as she walked out after serving 15 of her 20-year sentence now she's on parole until 2023 and she will wear an ankle monitor A private investigator is sharing a taped phone conversation she had with Clara Harris two days after she killed her husband. It is a recording few people have heard. Matt Doherty is live in Clear Lake with the story tonight. Matt? Okay, let me try this again, guys, with the dogs and everything. Right. Let's get back to our videotape here. Forget to. Okay. Okay. Take three on the video. (laughs) All righty. Second people to listen to this ever. The phone call you're about to hear was taped 15 years ago by private investigator Bobby Basha and her client, Clara Harris, the day after Harris posted bond. We did tape record everything. Um, you know, um, as soon as we get that information, we can make that available to you and your attorney. Do you get that? Yes, ma'am. We have everything, um, you know, so, um, but we don't have it in our, our possession because of, you know, the incident that occurred. So if you want to go to Morgan Tragical Park, the investigator did, did video everything because you hired us to video the subject. 
In the phone call, Harris is clearly surprised the events were caught on tape, and she tries to learn exactly what was recorded. There was a, a videotaping of them going into the hotel, and there was a videotaping of when the tragedy developed. Harris sounds calm and unemotional during the conversation, and she doesn't offer an explanation for what happened. Say, oh my gosh, you know. She didn't say it was an accident. No, she didn't say it was an accident. No, she didn't. She said, I went out there because I had to see for myself. So that that's, I don't know, she, she's to me she had a little bit of surprise that everything was right. recorded. But what are you thinking? I I think she's still trying to process. Maybe so. Like, just off the top of my head, it's like okay, I did this horrible thing, which she's like I think you had mentioned she still doesn't quite understand it even afterwards. So it's like, okay, did I imagine this? Were they really going into the hotel? Was so maybe really she something? was wondering if, I don't know, it sounded to me like she's asking, okay, so you got them going into the hotel and you got the tragedy that developed? <laughs> well, yeah, that was what she asked. So you think it was just to make sure that... Like, what exactly did you have? Well, and not mm-hmm. only that, but, you know, it's like, obviously it is a tragedy for her. And, and you know, I mean, she, I mean, the jury found her, you know, in a sudden passion you know, guilty of that, but still, they they recognize his sudden passion. But the fact that she said she only did it once. Now that right there, so it says that she only ran over him one time. Did she think it was only once? That's what I was gonna say. Or was she lying and saying it was only once when it was three, and she didn't know they had it on video? Or frame of mind, she thought it was one because when she asked. Did you get the full when they walked in at the end? Mm-hmm. That could have been, hey, that'll prove that I'm. Yeah, it, it could was, be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But this was only two days afterwards. Mm-hmm. So when did they interview her immediately? When supposedly she only did it once or when she said that? Yeah. But and then why would the lawyers, though, then say she only ran over him one time? And why would she say that she ran over him one time when the video clearly shows her? running over him three times well maybe she really thought it was one told the lawyer once and then the tape came out and now we have the birds <laughs> oh anyway let's finish this yeah. let's wrap let's, this up this was impromptu <laughs> okay right. so her now this is crazy here's the final twist her in-laws supported her the whole time yeah yeah Mildred Harris, David's mother, said, I love her very much. She's really more like a daughter. And even mm. after hearing the prosecutor's uh, case, they still supported her. They said they had forgiven her and even in court said that the marriage was made in heaven. Mildred also said maybe she loved David too, too much. much. Initially, the boys went to live with them, but later they ended up living with family friends of Clara's. And I'm not sure if there was a falling out. Um but maybe they just thought it was best. I don't know. So, again, I think this case is probably one of, you know, again, not loving so much that you lose your mind. Although, the other thing is, you know, it's happened to people that maybe didn't call as much and didn't, you know, like other people have killed spouses that they caught, you know, doing that. So, I don't know. But what I do know is that instead of making each other better, you know, one ended up getting ran over by the other. So that obviously wasn't good and it wasn't healthy. So I think for people that 
are listening to this podcast, the, you know, the outline of this murder and maybe the lessons to take away is to make sure your entire life, all of your thoughts and everything you do is not so wrapped up in that one person that you lose yourself in them to where if something happens, you feel at such a loss that the only response you have is running them over three times. Yeah. You know, but you know I, mean? I don't think that was her intention when she got there. The more she looked at I don't him, either. I don't either. The more they saw him, and he's loving to the other one after what Walking happened. Walking her out. I'm serious. Yeah. When he put his hand on her, her head, head and pushed her she's away, out of her mind. I think that literally pushed her over the edge, and she lost it. Now, the assistant DA, Mia Magnus, cited witness testimony that said Clara had lied uh, about one of the twins being sick that day to persuade her husband to come home. Well, that's confusing because the timeline doesn't fit that story. And that um, also that she trespassed on Bridges' property, vandalized her Lincoln Navigator, and then assaulted her in the lobby. Um, Lindsay, the daughter, also said that she could kill David, that she told her she could kill David and get away with it. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't know that I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, the daughter is mad. Yeah. Or did she say that out of anger? Right. You know, I could kill your father and get away with it. You know, so I I don't don't know. know. I don't know on that one. So what do you think? I mean, you know, obviously you're correct in that if she was a man, she would have been treated different. But obviously the jury felt that it was a sudden passion. Oh, I I agree. I absolutely agree. But do you think if she was a man that they would have given sudden passion? Nope. No. I don't know. I think they might have. If the circumstances were similar. Because they have done that before where men have gotten a lighter sentence because of sudden passion. I feel like they would have made it his fault. Meaning the affair his fault. Probably. Yeah. Probably so. Probably so. But yeah. yeah. This crime of passion for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, just be known, I would do the same damn thing. <laughs> no, I would not. I don't want to go to jail I, for I wouldn't anyone. run no, over would. someone, but. No, I wouldn't go to jail for anyone. I'd be whipping but stuff just, off. I'd be. You just don't. Oh, beating the crap out of me. No. Oh. <laughs> the, who did oh. that? Who cut off Bobbit. that man's? Yeah, Bobbit. Bobbit. Yes. Just call me Miss Bobbit. The Bobbit <laughs> procedure. Okay. <laughs> now, are we going to remember? Okay. Oh, rubbing hands. I was thinking in my mind, up. don't get it wrong. Okay, okay. so here we go. Be smart. Be rude. Don't be a victim. About damn time. I was for sure thinking you were hesitating and going to say the wrong thing. I'm psyching you out. (laughs) Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? (laughs) Joseph.